Thanks for tuning in to 318 Live Podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you are loved. And we're praying for you. We're praying that each message will encourage you no matter what journey you find yourself in. We hope you enjoy this message. For the super spiritual people in the room, I want to let you know uh, that the title of this message is called Lay It Down. If you're taking notes, because note takers are history makers, you can, you can write across the top of your page, lay it down. You see, when Jenny texted me um, about four days ago and asked me to speak, I started, you know, talking to the Holy Spirit. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say? Uh, at this point in, in, uh, in this place with 318 Live. And the Lord was like, you know what? I think, I think we should talk about surrender. And I was like, okay, Jesus, like, I'm fine. That's cool. Um, but that can get cheesy real quick. You know what I'm saying? So before I tell you the type of surrender that I am talking about, I want to tell you the type of surrender that I'm not talking about. All right? All right? I'm not talking about the cover of a Christian book with some woman who's like, looks straight out the sound of music, like the hills are with like her arms stretched out, her face to the sky, and it says surrender across the top of her. Not talking about that. Not talking about that. Or maybe the modern day version of that uh, where uh, all of us Christian girls may or may not have the word surrender in big calligraphy across our journals. No, no, I'm not, that is not necessarily the type of surrender I'm talking about. Also, just as a side note, if you are a Christian girl in the room who hasn't tried to master calligraphy in the last three years, I may or may not doubt your salvation. I'm just, I'm just, I just want to throw that out there. I think we've all been there, done that, and then said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to just give that one to the creative people because not everybody was meant to draw that pretty. Um, The other kind of surrender, another kind of surrender I'm not talking about is um, maybe the the halfway surrender to the process of a pursuit. Maybe there's some Christian guys in the room who are texting some girls, FaceTiming some girls, hanging out with some girls, not really putting a label on it, not really fully surrendered, not really fully invested, but I'm going to hang out, you know, like we're just intentional. We're just being intentional, right? And that what's happened. We're going to hang out. We're going to be intentional. And then like three months later, we're like, you know what? I'm not just in this. I'm not really surrendered to this relationship. I'm not really in this one. Uh, so bye. Bye. I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, y'all. I had to hit the, the guys hard after the calligraphy joke. Um, I am talking, the kind of surrender I'm talking is the all-in, laying my entire life down, all my eggs in one basket. If this doesn't work, I'm out of options. Like, Jesus, you are my only hope forever at this point. Surrender. That's the kind of, that's the kind of surrender uh, we're talking about. And, you know, when I think of surrender, I, I think back to these, to these, like, war movies, right? Like, I can get down with some World War II movies. Saving Private Ryan? Okay, sure, sure. But here's, here's something that I have, that I have noticed um, is that when people wave their white flag, because that's typically what you do when you surrender in a war, so I'm told because I've been to so many wars, um, they are basically saying, I'm tapping out, 
I'm done. Here we are. This, look, I'm, I'm literally laying my life on the line because someone who's surrendering in a war is generally giving themselves over to someone who they're not sure is going to treat them well. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes surrender doesn't work out for some folks in a war. They're saying, Lord, I hope they don't kill me, but I'm surrendering because I gotta, I'm going to die if not. Like, I'm going to die if not, right? They are all in with their surrender. You don't get to, like, wave a white flag and then, like, keep your gun in your hand, right? Like, you are in this kind of surrender. And here is what um, I've come to realize. It's that everyone is surrendered to something, right? You, may, you might be surrendered to your habits. You could be surrendered to your relationships, you could be surrendered to your environment, to your temptations, or even to your sin. And so I want you to know that the power in surrender isn't found in the fact that you're surrendered because everyone is surrendered to something. The power in surrender is found in who you are surrendered to. That's it. It's found in who you surrendered to. And the surrender that I'm talking about is a surrender to the Holy Spirit in the daily living and guiding of our lives as Christians and as young adults here in this city, on this earth, in this time. When you, are, when you live a life surrendered to the Spirit of God, you will live a life empowered by the Spirit of God. There is a difference in living a life uh, with the Holy Spirit living in you and then there's a di there, that is different than living a life being led by the Holy Spirit. It's two completely different things. Look, we're living in New Testament times. The Holy Spirit is here. He is living. He is breathing. He is among us. But that does not mean that we are surrendered to him on a daily basis, following his guiding in our lives, following the whispers in the back of our heads that we know is God, but we're too scared to step out and do what he's asking us to do. There's a difference in the Holy Spirit living in you and being led by the Holy Spirit, but I want you to know that we are a generation who is called to be led by the Spirit of God. That is who we are. And Jenny, oh, thank goodness for Jenny. I'm like, we could have all gone home after that prayer piece. You know what I'm saying? But uh, she, um, she said something so important is that we are a generation that is going to change culture for the better or for the worse. And it will only be for the better if we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit and his leading in our lives. And so I want to ask you a question. Are you surrendered to the Spirit of God? Just mull it over for a minute. And if not, that's all right because we're going to spend the night talking about it. And maybe by the end of the night you will be. Um, there is someone in the Bible who I look at and say they lived a life surrendered to the Spirit of God. And his name is Abram. Abram. So uh, over in Genesis 12, if you've got your Bibles, you can flip there. If you've got your Bibles, you can touch there. 
I don't know what the lingo is for that one. But in Genesis 12, 1 through 4, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Now, I want to give you a little bit of preface to this story. We're, like, real early on in the Bible, so, like, definitely Old Testament at this point. The Holy Spirit is not just talking to everybody at all. Today, we hear, you know, we, we focus a lot on the voice of God. What does the voice of God sound like to you? Are you following the voice of God? All this stuff. No. People didn't hear the voice of God back in that day. Like, I imagine that Abram is just, like, going about his business, and he hears his voice, and God's like, Abram, he's like, what? Who is that? Who is that? Like, people did not hear from God in this day. God was not living among them because the world had fallen at this point. Another thing that I want to give you to preface this story is that God is promising to make Abram a great nation, and Abram's wife couldn't have kids and he was 75 years old at this point. He didn't have no kids. The family line was stopping with Abram. And here God says, leave your native country, your relatives, go to land I'll show you. I will make you into a great nation. So here's what I want to clarify. I know, I, I don't know exactly. I can stand before you and tell you, I don't know how God works and the ins and outs of every single situation. The Trinity stumps me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, but Lord, when are you God? When are you the Holy? I don't know. That's all right. I'll ask him when I get there. However, here's what I do know. As Abram continued on in his life, as he departed, as it said, as the Lord instructed, and he continued to surrender, because surrender is a process. It's not one decision we make one time, and for the rest of our life, we're there. We wake up every day, and we get to say, I'm going to surrender today. Today sucks, but I'm still going to surrender today. Today is great, but I'm still going to surrender today. We choose to continue to surrender every day to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I know, that as Abram chose to continue surrendering his life, God changed his name. Do you know what God changed his name to? Abraham. Now, this is, I think, the coolest thing that I have ever heard, so stick with me. God put two extra letters in Abram's name, H-A. And in the ancient, wow, wow, in the ancient language, in ancient religions, that, those two letters, the combination of those two letters stood for the Spirit of God. So God quite literally said, because you are continuing to surrender to me, even though we are not living in a world where I am always uh, with you, I'm not talking to everybody, I'm talking to you, Abram, but because you trusted me, because you have continued to surrender to me, y'all know it does not say right after verse 4 that God changed his name. It's like chapters later. It's years later that Abram has stood on the promises of God. And God says, I'm going to change your name. And I'm not just going to change it to like 
Bob. I'm changing it to Abraham because I am putting the spirit of God in the middle of who you are and how you are identified. Do you see what I'm saying? When we surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit, it changes us so profoundly that he literally changes our identity from the inside out. You can't tell me that Abram wasn't a spirit-led man in a time that the Holy Spirit wasn't just talking to everybody. It was talking to this guy, and he had to go on faith that that's who he was hearing from when he was hearing some crazy things. So how surrendered are you? Are you surrendered to the point, to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that your identity has been changed from the inside out? Has he changed your name? Has he changed the way people see you? Here's the thing. Abram knew he was being led by the Spirit, but after God changed his name, everybody else knew it too. Everybody else knew it too. Does everyone else know that you have surrendered your life to the leading of the Spirit? And if not, it's okay. Um, But there are two main points that I think that we see as characteristics of people whose lives have been surrendered to God. Number one is there is no compartmentalization in a life that's surrendered to God. I think we can see this in anyone's life who's surrendered to the Spirit, and especially in Abram's life. Do we have any, just going to switch modes real quick, do we have any type A folks in the room? Anybody who's just like extra organized, like you keep your Aaron Condren planner, you keep your Google calendar, something like that, you're like, I'm not going to survive if I don't know what's happening every moment of every day. No? Just me? That's all right. That's all right. Because here's the thing is I believe that, you know, the type B people, the creative, I'm just making that up. I don't know type B is creative. But the type B people who make the, word pr- make the world pretty, there's type B people who make the world pretty. But type A people keep the world spinning. You know what I'm saying? Like we keep the world going. And so if you're a type A person in the room, hey, me too. What's up? Um, not only uh, am I a type A person, but I compartmentalize my life really, really well. Things are very planned out. Um, I could tell you, you could ask me uh, on a Monday, just basically at any point during the week, hey, where are you going to be at this point during your week? And I could tell you. You know what I'm saying? And this is a habit. I haven't always had this habit, uh, but last semester... Uh, I was uh, in my last semester of college, amen, glory, hallelujah, if you ain't graduated yet, it's coming, stick with it, and I'm going to tell you that life on the other side is really greener, (laughs) the graduation side is very much greener, Um, however, uh, in order to graduate when I did, uh, my last semester, in addition to my job, I was taking 24 hours worth of classes at LSU, S, which if you don't know, is about double the normal load of a full-time student. Um, And so I don't say this to brag, I say this to tell you that if I had not compartmentalized my life, I think I would be dead. (laughs) I genuinely think I might have been dead. And so 
There were, have you ever noticed how like when professors schedule tests, they always kind of schedule them for the same week. Like all the professors are like, we're going to get together. We're going to confer over here. How can we possibly make their life as terrible as possible in one week? And they're like, we all going to put our tests on one day. Well, when you got like 12 tests in a week, you're like, dear Jesus, what am I going to do? I'm going to compartmentalize. I'm going to schedule. I'm going to make a plan to get through this, right? Okay, so not only was I, did I hit one of those weeks, but I also hit a week where we had something uh, in our youth group that we call RSN Experience, which is a once-a-month huge event for our, uh, for our youth that they all come together. Uh, we do a worship experience. We do uh, connect groups in homes throughout the month, but this one night of the month, we're all together, we're worshiping, and I'm usually the one who's preaching. And so in addition to 12 hours worth, uh, 24 hours worth of tests, I've got to write a message for Wednesday night. And so I'm like, all right, God, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a plan. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to plan our way through this. We're going to make it. All right. And so, you know, I was like, you know, maybe I'll get to it after my homework on Monday. Nope. Didn't happen. And so I got to Tuesday or I got to Monday night and I said, you know what, Lord, here's what I'm going to do. Tomorrow, because I don't want to save this for Wednesday. You know, the day before is all right to write a message in my book. The day of, maybe not. So I'm like, here's what we're going to do. Tomorrow morning, I don't have class until 1230. I'm going to wake up at 530. Jesus, you get a whole seven hours to write this message. This is your window. Do your will, <laughs> right? So my alarm goes off, and uh, I roll over. I get out of bed, miracle number one of the day, um, make some coffee, uh, kind of wake up. That, that takes maybe 30 minutes for the coffee to set in. Probably would have been faster if I had an IV drip, but my roommate wasn't that far into nursing school to set up a coffee IV drip in my arm yet, so it took 30 minutes. Um, and so I sit down on the couch, and I'm like, all right, Jesus, I'm ready. Let's do it. Um, and he was like, you know, Ellis, I think that you should just, you know, maybe you spend some time in prayer. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, that would make sense, right? Because I want to hear from you to write this message. And I'm like, okay, I'll spend some time in prayer. And so I start praying, you know, like we're going in. We're going in for the city. I'm going in for my house. I'm going in for my church. I'm going in for my roommates and for my friends and for my students. And, like, we're going in, right? So, so maybe, maybe an hour later, I don't want to say I'm that spiritual, but, you know, been praying for a while. Been praying for a while. And I said, <laughs> and I said uh, okay, Jesus. We prayed. We prayed up. Look, we made a pathway to the throne room of heaven. Here we go. You can just download this message. And the Lord's like, you know what, Alice? You know, I think maybe you should worship. I'm like, worship? It is 7 a.m. I'll wake them up. He's like, you should worship anyway. I'm like, all right. So I put my worship music on real low. I'm just pacing around my living room. And so a little while later, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I got all my message writing materials. I'm like, Jesus, I love you. I need a word for tomorrow. <laughs> please, please come through for me right now. And Jesus is like, you know what? I think you need a walk. I think you just need to get up. I think you need to go for a walk. Um, and walks is kind of where I, I calibrate a little bit. Um, and so I'm like, 
okay, a walk. And so I get my dog. We go for a walk. We're, like, talking to Jesus. We're, like, but, like, he's giving me zero inkling at all for, like, what we're, I mean, we're talking about nonsense. I'm, like, Jesus, you see that butterfly? Like, this is not super spiritual at this point. Super spiritual had worn off at about 6.45 a.m., and here we are midway through the morning, and we're on a walk. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so I get back to the house, and I'm, like, Jesus, I love you. Please, please give me this word because we have, you know, three hours left to write this. Three hours left. And the Lord's like, you know what? Go sit at a coffee shop. I'm not making this up, y'all. God stalled me until 1220 in the afternoon at this point. Mind you, my class starts at 1230. I live about 11 minutes away from school, so I'm already late to class. Already late to class. Not a word written for this message, right? And I'm like... All right, God. Well, I'm just going to trust you because, like, I've been listening and you haven't been talking. So uh, we, we just going to go to class. And so I drive to the school. There's no parking spaces, of course. And so I park at the back. I'm, like, running in like a hooligan. You know how awkward it is to run with a backpack on? I'm like, I gave you all this time and you couldn't preserve my dignity running through this parking lot? I'm not about this. I'm not about this. And, uh, and so I see this girl walking toward me, and I'm like, something in me says, I'm going to stop and talk to this girl, which I'm already late to class. And I can tell you what, I don't know that it was the Holy Spirit. I think it's just because she has some cute overalls on. And I was like, I need to know where she got these overalls. So I stop and talk to this girl <laughs> because priorities. And... <laughs> And, uh, and I notice as I'm having a conversation with her that she has a boot on her leg, like, like she has broken her foot. And, um, and, and God has really been stretching my comfort zone over the last, like, year, year and a half of just stopping to pray for people, whether I know them or not, you know, um, all this stuff. And so I, I realize at this point, okay, maybe it wasn't just the cute overalls. Maybe God used the overalls. God can use a donkey. He can use overalls. Um, and so I'm like... I'm like, you know, uh, hey, I know this is, this is weird, and you, you just saw me running really awkwardly uh, up to the school, and this has just been a really strange interaction up to this point, but I'd like to know if I can pray for you. That does not make an interaction, like, any less strange at this point. Um, and she's like, uh, sure. And so I, like, bend down, <laughs> not make eye contact with this girl at this point. <laughs> Touch the boot. <laughs> Touch the boot. Finding Nemo, don't come find me. I said boot. Um, and pray for this girl to be healed in Jesus' name. And she's like, oh, thank you, thank you. And I'm like, yeah, 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 have a good day. I'm, like, late to class at this point. We all know that, like, I'm, like, going to roll into class real late. And so I go into the school, and I notice that she's still hobbling away after I've prayed for her. I'm like, that's not what I had in mind, Lord. <laughs> I, I get inside the building so she can't see me look through the window to watch her walk away because I'm like, Lord, heal her. You can do it. You can do it after I've prayed for her. You know what I'm saying? Like, let her start running, Jesus. You know, <laughs> like, whatever, whatever. And um, she didn't. She didn't. I'd like to believe that, like, maybe she got home and she took the boot off and she's like, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I don't know that that happened. But I know at this point I'm rolling into a class like 12 minutes late and there is two people in this class, me and another girl. And so my tardiness is very much noticed. 
And so I get in and I sit down and I pull out my computer and uh, to take notes because good student, hello. And uh, the Lord starts speaking to me. And he starts downloading this message that I'm going to preach the very next night. Um, And I'm telling you that within like 27 minutes, the entire message was on my computer. Um, And the Lord, the Lord really pulled through. But you know, what he told me in the process is, Ellis, you don't get to compartmentalize me. You don't get to tell me when I'm talking to you. You don't get to tell me what I'm going to do. You don't get to tell me when I can give you revelation for certain people. You're just going to jive with me. You're going to be surrendered to me. And you're going to trust me that I'm going to give you what you need when you need it. And I said, okay, Jesus. All right, but all right, let's just do that a little different next time, I promise. Right? Someone else who is living a life surrendered to the Lord didn't compartmentalize. Could you imagine if Abram had said, Abraham, Abram, had said, uh, okay, you're going to make me a great nation and you're telling me to move, but I'm going to keep, you know, a certain amount of my livestock over here, um, but I'm going to give you these um, and I'm going to leave this over here and these relationships, but I'm going to give you these or do you see what I'm saying? Like, no, that's not what Abram did. The Bible doesn't even show us that there was a hesitation in what Abram did. It went straight from the Lord telling Abram what to do, and it said, so, as if it was obvious, Abram departed as the Lord instructed. Because here was the thing is, Abram knew that to live a life completely surrendered to the Lord, he couldn't compartmentalize God. He couldn't tell him what areas of his life he was going to work in. He just said, you know what, my life is open for you to speak to me, my life is open for you to work in, let's go. Let's, let's just go. I don't know where we're going, but let's go. Um, so number one, there is no compartmentalization in a life surrendered to God. You can't give God part of your life. He wants all or nothing. That's it. That's it. Number two is there are no limits in a life surrendered to God. None. As I, was, as I was going through this process and learning this, um, I, you know, I started asking this question. I'm like, where do limits come from? Like, who says what is and isn't possible? And I realized that a limit is just the point where the previous pioneer didn't pass. That's it. Right? Like, who's to say it can't be done? It's just to say that no one has done it yet. But the person who pioneered before, they got to a point where they passed somebody else's limits. That's what a pioneer does. You know what I'm saying? Like, a limit is just the point where the previous pioneer didn't pass. Well, what about you? What if you're a pioneer? Because there are no limits in a life surrendered to God. A limit is just what's labeled impossible. But everything that's labeled impossible or everything that's labeled impossible is impossible until it's not anymore. Right? Like it just, it's one day it's impossible and one day it's not. A few few weeks ago we were talking about how it was impossible to run a four-minute mile until someone just said, no, I'm just... I'm just going to run a four-minute mile. Like, I'm just going to, like, just because the previous runner hadn't run a four-minute mile doesn't mean I can't run a four-minute mile. And then everybody started running four-minute miles. You know what I'm saying? And so when God, what God called Abraham to do was to go past a limit. He was very much telling Abraham to do something that was considered impossible. 
Very much so. But Abraham was surrendered to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know what? I serve a God that does the impossible. So if I'm empowered, if I'm surrendered to a God that does the impossible, then I'm empowered by the God who does the impossible. So I'm going to choose to do it. There was something that happened um, in one of the church experiences that I was at, at my own church, um, maybe five or six months ago. Uh, we, we now have three experiences, but uh, up until a few months ago, we only had two at 9 and 11 a.m., and uh, I was supposed to, not supposed to, I was serving on the worship team that morning. It was something I'd done many times in the, in the years that I've uh, been at River Park. I'm just like, you know what? Uh, I love to worship, might as well be on the team, right? So like showing up to sing that morning like every other morning. But there was something different about that morning. Um, and I just really felt this impression from God that he was going to do something that I hadn't seen before. And I didn't know what that looked like. I had no like concept of what that would possibly be. Um, and so I show up for vocal practice and then, you know, we go into our 9 a.m. experience, which was our first experience at the time. And everything goes according to schedule. Look, I'm telling you, when you've got multiple services on a Sunday morning, it is like, it's down to a science. You know, people know where they're going, when they're supposed to be there, what marks they're going to hit. Like, we knew, we knew. We were in it. We were there. It was 9 a.m. Um, and so, and so we did it. And so it gets to be the 11 a.m. We're back up on stage, um, and I'm, you know, I'm leading my song, and, um, and I hear a, a voice in the back of my head that said, um, Ellis, Pastor Mark is going to ask you to pray over the congregation, over the people who are in this room before the end of the, uh, this 11 a.m. experience, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Like, I'm hearing this voice in the back of my head. I'm like, I'm trying to sing right now. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I'm like, that is not even, that what? <laughs> like, I didn't know where this thought came from. It was nothing that had happened before. There was no concept to, like, uh, like pre there was no precedent for this, right? And, um, and so we go to get off, get off the platform, and, um, and I hear this voice in the back of my head again that says, Ellis? It was a little bit more stern this time. Uh, Pastor Mark is going to ask you to pray before this experience is over. So you might just want to be prepared for that. And I'm just putting this thought out of my mind because I'm like, no. Like, I've got, I've got places to be. I've got somewhere to sit. I'm supposed to be at this point at this time. And, um, and so I'm sitting down during the, uh, during the word that morning and, and listening and taking notes like all good uh, churchgoers should. Hint, hint. Um, and... Uh, and the voice comes over again, and I just I push it out of my mind. And so the worship team stands back up to walk back up on the stage, and I hear a voice in my head that just kind of stops me in my tracks um, because it was no longer, hey, you might want to ha have a heads up about this. It was like, hey, this is going to happen, and if you don't start talking to me and asking me what's my will that I want prayed over this experience, you're going to get up there, and it's just going to come straight from your soul and not from my spirit. So you might want to start running some things past me. And I'm like, okay, like, God, if this is you, you know, all right. I'm like, do you want me to, I'm going through this internal dialogue with God in my head, who I'm like assuming is God, hoping that it's not just myself making up a conversation in my head because that would be really weird. And, and so, and so I'm going, through, I'm like, Lord, do you want me to pray this? And he's like, no. <laughs> okay. Do you want me to pray this? He's like, no. Do you want me to pray this? 
oh, okay, yes, that is actually something that I would want you to say. Okay, well, do you want me to say this? Well, yes, but say it in this way. Say it with, with these words. And so I'm just like, I think I'm crazy at this point. Like, I'm still just not even in there. And, um, and so I'm up, background, like, on the stage. Pastor Mark is giving an awesome salvation, like, call to anyone who doesn't know Jesus, if you would come. And I remember it clear as day because I'm standing, I mean, just as far back on the stage as one could possibly get at our church. And Pastor Mark is walking across the stage this way because, like all good speakers, we pace. You know, we can't, we can't stand still. And so... He's walking this way. He's mid-sentence, and he goes, nope. And I'm standing over here. And I just hear a, this is it. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> this is not it. <laughs> this is not it. And Pastor Mark, Pastor Mark says, nope. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody in this room, grab the hand of the person next to you. Ellis Rock, I want you to come stand right here, and I want you to pray what the Holy Spirit has been telling you to pray. And I said, what? God's like, you better start moving. You better get over there. <laughs> right? And so, I mean, I am not kidding. Pastor Mark, is it, this is about how it went down to your memory, correct? And so this is how it went down. And, and we just had a powerful time of prayer at the end of that experience. Um, and, and I remember the Lord saying uh, when I walked back over to my spot, and he said, Ellis, a life lived with me is not limited by your processes. It's not limited by what you have seen before as precedent. It's not limited by anything. And so if you're not listening to me, if you're not listening for my voice and listening for the guiding of my spirit, then you're going to be caught off guard sometimes. But I'm not going to hang you out to dry. You have to listen to me. But in a life surrendered to me, there is no limit. You can't even limit me. Not even you can limit me in your unbelief. Because you were going to go up there whether you were prepared or not. <laughs> right? Jesus also tells us that we're supposed to live a limitless life. In John 14, 12, he says, I tell you the truth, that anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. This sounds like a limitless life to me. Jesus did some crazy stuff. Jesus did some limitless stuff. And here he is telling us that we are going to do greater works than even he did because we are going to be empowered by the Spirit of God. It doesn't come apart from being empowered by the Spirit of God. You know, I am actually the same age, if not younger, than a lot, like a good number of people in this room, um, and so that's, I just, I stand before you, um, so humble, I, I can't, I, when Jenny texted me, um, and asked me to speak, I, like, tears started coming, I'm like, Ellis, you gotta text her back, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, but I, I was so humbled, and so honored, uh, that, that she would have me be here, but, but here's what I know, it's, um, it's because I stand here so close to so many people in this room, and I'm not coming uh, at anything from a, like, spiritual leader perspective, but definitely as like a, hey, I'm your sister here. I'm your sister in Christ, right? I'm a co-laborer. I'm doing my best I can with what I have. And so I'm just here to say I want to bring the things that God has taught me to the table 
Because I think that if we put it on the table, then everybody else who's sitting at the table can get a piece of it too. And so I want you to know that, that life, I realized that life was too short to stand up here and not be level with y'all about where I am in life and um, in ministry and in a, in a million different ways. And, and the reality is that I was saved almost my entire life. Like, I can hardly remember a time that I didn't know Jesus. Right? I'm pretty sure that my parents stopped at the church on the way home from the hospital when I was born. Like, that, I was, I was baptized on Easter Sunday when I was seven years old. Like, we got Easter. We got the number of perfection and completion. I've never heard anything so Christian in my entire life. My entire life has been just Christian, Christian. Christian, 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 Christian. Um, but I hadn't experienced the true freedom that the Holy Spirit wanted to bring me until really this, this last year after an entire life lived with God um, because I hadn't surrendered to his spirit. The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 3.17 that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And God kept calling me to him. And he was calling me to freedom. Um, he was calling me to surrender. Uh, he was calling me to intimacy. And it wasn't that I didn't hear him. I, kn- I knew what was being offered to me. But I just, I just didn't. Like, I heard, but I didn't listen. You, like, you've been in those situations where you're like, I know this is what God has for me, but... I th- but just like not yet almost. Um, and I just let it fall by the wayside. I wasn't trying to ignore God, um, but I let other things take priority over the freedom that he wanted to bring me in my life. Um, school, friends, social life, social, you know, social media, work, um, which is ironically ministry. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was just like, None of it really added up, Um, and and then I realized that I had been more surrendered to my schedule than I had surrendered to the Spirit of God. Like, I had taken these things, let these things take precedence in my life over the freedom that the Holy Spirit wanted to offer me through surrender. Um, And there's only, there's really only one place that that leads, and that's burnout. When you, when you let all the other things, all the things on your schedule uh, take priority over what God is offering you, you will get burned out. Like, you just, you're, you're spinning your wheels here. It's just a matter of time. And, uh, and I realized that I was trying to give God portions of my life and call it surrender, but that partial surrender wasn't actually surrender at all because you're still clinging to something right? You're still cleaning something. And if you only surrender portions of your life, then God can only fill portions of your life, right? Like I'm saved. There's areas of my life that God was moving and working, but it wasn't in the completed way that he wanted to work in my heart and my life. And here's the thing is he wants to fill every bit of our lives with him. Every single, every single place. But he's, he's, I mean, you hear people say this all the time. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. He's not just going to say, I'm going to take your school and fill it with me. I'm going to take your church and fill it with me. I'm going to take your social life and fill it with me. You have to come to him and lay these things down and say, I am surrendering to what you have for me. And I lived my entire life loving, like passionately loving Jesus 
and not all the way surrendered. Not all the way surrendered. I was doing things out of an attitude of this is just kind of what I have to do for Jesus. Like this is just what people who love God do. You know, we show up to church early. We're the last ones to leave. We stack the church. Like I was serving. I was doing all the things that a good Christian would do. But a person, I realized that a person who surrendered to the Holy Spirit and to the leading of his spirit doesn't do things out of an attitude of this is just what we do. They do things out of an attitude of God loved me so recklessly. He gave every single bit of his life to take my place. And so what wouldn't I do for him? Like there's no part of my life that I would ever hold back from him. And so God met me in this place where he kind of just said, are you tired? Are you, are you just, are you ready to surrender yet? Are you ready for me? Because I'm ready for you. Like if, like I'm ready to do this thing. I'm just waiting on you. And, um, and it was his kindness that ultimately led me to repentance. It wasn't anything of like, you're going to go to hell. You're never going to have what I promised you. You're never going to have. It was just a, hey, I just have more for you, and it's only going to come through surrender, so let's do this thing. You know, the Bible says in Romans 2.4, it says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Telling God that he had my entire life and holding back portions of it was sin in my life. I was putting up a front, not just with the people around me, but with God. I'm, I'm in worship services saying, you have my whole life, but no, you, no, he doesn't. And that is sin, and it was his kindness that led me to repentance, that led me to surrender, and ultimately led me to freedom. And here's the thing, is I don't tell you guys these things to boast about me. I tell them to boast only about Jesus, because he met me where I was when I was stubborn, when I was prideful, when I was running from him, when I was falling to temptation in my life. He was like, I'm here. Are you ready for me? Like, I love you. I gave it all for you. Let's do this thing. Galatians 6.14 says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. 2 Corinthians 11.30, If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. You see, this message... This whole thing, the whole process of laying it down and the process that he took me through of laying my life down is not to boast about me. It's to show you guys about what a loving God we have that could take a heart so prideful as mine and say, I'm going to work this together for good. Even in the midst of your bad decisions, I'm going to work this together for my good because that's what I do. Because I'm in the business of working things together for good. I just have a quick question. Is there anybody in here who, like, enjoys personality tests? I think Matt Tidwell asked this question a couple weeks ago. Look, there's some people who are like, tell me. I'll take all the tests. Strength finder, Myers-Briggs, temperament test. Tell me all the things. I want to learn all about myself from a piece of paper. Here we go. Like, this is it. Um, and so I'm like, I'm, 
I'm fine with it. Like, I'm not opposed. I'm like, I have learned valuable things about my life and the way that I operate um, from these tests. But I've got some friends that are like sold out to the tests. Sold out to the tests, right? My best friend a few years ago was going through a counseling school, and she was going through something called temperament counseling. And she came up to me one day, and she's like, Ellis, you got to take this temperament test. It's going to tell you every single thing that you need to know about your life, about how God created you. It's not your personality. This is not a personality test. This is a temperament test, right? Like, this is the way God created you when you were knit together in your mother's womb. And it is 99.8942698% accurate. And I was like, stop annoying me. I'll take your test. Like, here we go. And so... I take this test, and it was, you know, maybe a week, um, a week or so before she emailed my results to me. I'm like, they so bad you got to email them? <laughs> you can't bring these to me in person? Like, how bad is it? <laughs> how bad is it? And, um, and she said, or, or the email says, I open it up, and on the first page of the email, like across, I almost remember it, like across the top, it says, she must receive recognition for all accomplishments that she has. And I said, that is the worst thing I've ever seen about yourself. Like, what kind of prideful person has to receive recognition for absolutely everything they do on a daily basis? Like, she brushed her teeth. Look at Ellis. Look at her. She got out of bed and only pressed snooze three times. Look at Ellis Rago. She's killing the game this morning. And I remember reading this part of my personality and being like, dear God, what is wrong with me? Um, and that was really not a fun thing to read. You know, like sometimes you learn things and, and stuff like that about yourself that you're like, I kind of wish I didn't know that. Like, it's helpful, but, like, that doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. And I took this because I wanted to feel warm and fuzzy about how God knitted me together in my mother's womb, you know. Um, and so that was really not a fun thing to read. It's definitely not a fun thing to tell a room full of people <laughs> that, you know, like, I, hey, I have this glaring weakness in my life. Hey, prideful. Who's prideful? Her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so that's why I'm telling, I don't tell you guys, I'm, I don't tell you guys these things to boast about me. I tell them to say, God took my life. And he said, look, as much as, as much as your natural personality wants recognition, it really is just about me. And so let me mold you into my image. Um, and yes, this is a weakness in your life, but your strength, my strength is perfected in your weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, each time he said, my grace is all you need, my power works best in weakness, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So I don't stand here tonight to just tell you stories about miraculous things that God did to my life, did in my life, and say, hey, look at me, like I've got it together because I am very obviously a person who does not have it together, and God took a prideful heart and he got it so low to the ground and so surrendered to him that he could use me in a way that he could trust me in the midst of it, that I was going to keep the main thing the main thing and make it 
and make it not about myself. Um, what I didn't tell you was the end of my Sunday prayer story, um, is that when I walked back over to my spot, I was so in awe of what God had used me to do. Um, and, and I knew that it was, it had been because I just had gotten lower and lower. And I just said, God, I really am here this time. I really am surrendered to you. You really can have it all. And like, I just want you to have it all. Um, and so I'll get as low as you want me to. And the Lord's like, okay, get on your face. And mind you, I'm still on stage in front of like, you know, 200 people at this point, 200, 300 people. And I'm like, you said my face, not my knees. He said, get on your face. And so I pulled one of these right here. I'm laying on the ground like this. And I'm like, Jesus, what do I need to do to get lower? What do I need to do? I'll sink through the ground. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I will do whatever it takes to get lower if that means that I'm living a life that's surrendered to you and can therefore be used by you, a life free of compartmentalization and a life free of limits. I will do whatever it takes to get as low as I have to if that just means I get to be a part of what you're doing on the earth in this day and in this time. And the Lord is like, you really don't want this to be about you? And I said, no, I really don't. He goes, okay, well, instead of getting, getting up and and just walking off the stage like you would normally do and walking the, to the production booth and giving your mic back. I want you to go behind the stage, walk behind the backstage, walk all the way around. And our, you have to picture this with me. In, the, in our worship center, the sides are just dark. It just fades into black. And he's like, I want you to walk through the darkness all the way around to the production booth. Don't say anything to anybody. Nobody's going to approach you. And you hand them your microphone and you let what I did in there be what I did in there and not what you did in there. And I was like, okay, <laughs> seems like a lot of trouble to go to, but fine, like, we can do that. And, um, and so that's exactly what we did. And, um, and it was not a thing. It was not, it was not something that we talked about. It was not something that was discussed. It was just a, hey, you got to be ready because I'm going to use you, but it's not about you. And I'm going to trust that you're going to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's me. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. You see, this is my testimony right now. In this season of my life, this is what the Lord has been teaching me. Get low, get surrendered, and I'll use you. I will lead you by my spirit and we're going to do some pretty awesome stuff together. We are going to see miracles. We are going to see heaven touch earth. We are going to see miracle signs and wonders. We're going to see, we are literally going to take this world. You're going to see a generation rise up. You are going to see a generation rise up and stand in truth and stand in love for the sake of the gospel and what Jesus Christ has done in this earth. And so I really do believe that he is teaching me this for my sake, but also teaching it to me so that I can bring it to the table and say, hey, 
let's live a life that's surrendered. Because the reality is I have gotten to a point in my life where I can't and I don't want to do anything without the presence of God. Nothing. If it doesn't have the presence of God in it, I don't want it. Like plain and that's just that's just it. Like we can do we can do church, we can do whatever we want to do, we can like play this game, we can front. I was fronting for 20 years. You know what I'm saying? But like I have reached a point where he's it for me. Are you there yet? What God called Abraham to was unprecedented and seemingly impossible. But it was made possible because of who he was surrendered to. And Abram's surrender ended up blessing the entire world. But there's a part two. Because what God has called you to is unprecedented and seemingly impossible. But it can be made possible by the one who causes blind eyes to be opened, who causes deaf ears to hear, who causes the dead to be raised to life, who causes sinful people to be turned into holy nations, who causes a group of ragtag young adults who don't think they have purpose in their life and puts them together in one room, all races, all nations, all tongues, puts them together in one room under one name, and that's Jesus. And he wants to do something unprecedented and seemingly impossible in your life. And it's only made possible by surrendering to the one who makes all things possible. Because a life surrendered to God is a life empowered by God. And God's going to use your surrender to bless the entire world. Because he is in the business of blessing the world, if we've seen anything, anything. And Lord knows we need our world to be blessed right now. Look, scroll through Twitter on Saturday and every day since. And for the past three years or 2,000 years, and we can see that we need a world, that we have a world that needs to be blessed by God. And God's method of blessing the world is coming through people who are surrendered to him. Here's what I know, is that surrender starts at repentance. Plain and simple. Um, Because repentance, what it really means is just to change your mind. It means that I have mindsets that I've held on to that aren't of God, and I am going to change my mind. Like the the word says, I'm not going to be conformed to the patterns of the world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And if we want to be surrendered, we have to start at repentance. Compartmentalizing God is a mindset that needs to be changed. Putting limits on God and what he can do himself or in our culture or through us is a mindset that needs to be changed. Lack of surrender to God is a mindset that says total surrender isn't safe for me. I, I, I can't be all in because what if it fails? Like, what if I fall? You're going to fall. Like, but you're going to get back up and you're going to keep going. But it's saying, lack of surrender is saying, I, I can't go all in. I can't put all my chips in the middle of the table. Um, 
and that's a mindset that needs to be changed. Um, some of us need to repent for being willing to go through days, weeks, months, maybe years at a time without really engaging in the presence of God, without really being led by his spirit. Because we can do it in our own power. We can live this life in our own power. But the world's not going to be any better for it. Our city isn't going to be any better for it. Our generation isn't going to be any better for it. Our world, it will not be any better for, the, for us going through our lives and being halfway surrendered. So the prayer team is going to be on the sides. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand. Um, and I am fully on board with where the word says, if you confess your sins to one another, that you may be healed. Um, that that's, that's true. I think that there are some mindsets, some strongholds that we have that we have to lay down at the altar in order to be completely surrendered to God. I'm all about praying with people. I encourage you. The band is going to take us back in. Um, as soon as I'm done praying, they're going to take us back in to worship. I encourage you, go pray with somebody. But here's what I also want you to know is that you can get your life right, just you and God. Like, come, like come to the altar and say, I am not going to be held back from being surrendered to you. What people think of me isn't going to hold me back. How we usually do things isn't going to hold me back. What has become the norm isn't going to hold me back because I need to surrender to the one who makes the impossible possible. If this message encouraged you and you want to know more about 318 Live, go ahead and visit our website, 318live.co, and we hope that you have the best day ever.